Uh, in the letter I wrote last time, I made a statement that I would try to give you the key to maintaining a constant happiness so that you don't nosedive. I was aware that several individuals were diving and not coming up, which I guess is one of the reasons why I didn't get here. You see, when you're down and you think, oh, things are terrible and you're frantic, I couldn't communicate with you very easily. Also, if I came here and you got this lift and got out of it, you would say that I did it. which develops a dependency relationship which isn't good. You're infinite. You can do anything and everything you want. You can have, be, or do whatever you will or desire. And when the disturbance lasts long enough, you get fed up with it and you let it go anyway. Then you do it, see? And it's much, much better when you do it and you don't need someone else to lean upon. But I kind of felt that what the group would like to know at that time was how to maintain this happiness. Why don't we have it all the time? We should. And so I thought I'd try to give you the understanding or the key to the understanding that will help you develop happiness that, that lasts. Alright, now this is the key. When you understand or when you know what happiness is, then you're able to establish happiness more and more until it's all the time. But the key is knowing what is this thing, happiness. When you know what it is, you look for it where it is rather than look for it where it isn't. Looking for happiness where it isn't is what gives you misery. Looking for happiness where it isn't is what causes you to nosedive. The key is knowing what happiness is so that you can go directly for it. Not recognizing what happiness is makes it difficult to establish it permanently. So when you get to see what this happiness really is, when you become miserable, you'll move in, the, in that direction. All right, what is happiness? Well, to most people, They call it pleasure, and what it actually is, is escape from pain. What most people call happiness to, today is they're getting away from their pain, escape, entertainment. They cannot stand being with themselves, with their own thoughts. They have to run to a movie, a nightclub, visit someone just to get some action going so that they are not alone with their own thoughts. 
when their mind is taken away from their own thoughts, they feel better and they call that happiness. All entertainment is actually that. Although when you become free, you can enjoy entertainment uh, far more than before, but you need none of it because you're happy. Now the happiness I'm going to talk about is not the escape from misery kind of happiness. It's the joy that results from being your real self. The more we are our real self, the more joyous we feel. Now this joy is accomplished not by the thing or the person out there whom we associate with the joy, but it's accomplished by satisfying the desire for or the thoughts wanting to acquire this person or thing. We quiet those thoughts. And the quieter the mind is, the more the self can shine forth. But this is something you've got to see in your own mind, that the quieter you get your mind, the more joyous you are, the happier you are. It's good to play with this, experiment with it until you see it, that whatever that joy was, it always resulted in quieting of the mind and then you feel happy. Then you begin to let go of attaching that happiness to people and things. You begin to see that the joy is only your very own self coming out more. But then when you see what this happiness is, you're not going to look for it where it isn't. And you reach the place where you need no one and no thing to be happy. You just are happy all the time. Is there any question on that? I guess intellectually it's seen by everyone, whether you see it through your own mind's eye or not. You should have it at first intellectually, then experiment with it, test it out, and you'll discover that this is so, that every time you feel happy, your mind is at ease. And that what you attributed to the person or thing outside of you was something going on within you, the quieting of your mind, so that your real self could shine forth more. Then when you see this, you won't bog down anymore because the moment you become unhappy, you'll know 
just where to go to reestablish the happiness. You that would be within yourself, wouldn't it? Yes, but it's first recognizing that the happiness is not the person or the thing, but the quieting of the thoughts of desire for the person or thing, which allows you to just be more. When your mind is on things out there, you're not being. You're involved with externals. But I, I say the key is seeing just that point. Mm-hmm. That your happiness is the quieting of your mind through the satisfying of desires which stills thoughts for the thing. When you actually see that in your own mind, you can do it directly. You can let go of those thoughts without achieving the person or the thing and immediately you're happy. But the overall thing is that you move toward happiness where it really is in you, not in the externals. And in that way you establish a state of happiness that is continuous. But as far as that goes, I always feel as though I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again all the time. From this side, from that side, this side. It's always the same thing. But until you see it in your own mind's eye, until you recognize it, it it doesn't mean anything. Become everything and you need nothing. Desire is a source of all trouble. If you are everything... You need nothing. That is the greatest of all feelings. That's the highest love when you become the other one. That identity is love in its highest form. In other words, she didn't break the dish. We broke the dish. She didn't spend money on a dress. We spent the money. So now you're going to have to work this out in your mind When you become everything, you need nothing. Create a lie when you say, I don't have. And that starts trouble. Called unhappiness. You think you don't have because you think you are the body. When you think that way, if you're lacking something, you identify with the body because you really don't like a thing. What do you have when you don't create? Everything. You have the all. Everything. Don't let a little bell push you around that way. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Again, I say each one has to realize this for himself or herself. But when he or she does, then happiness can be made permanent. Because then you look for happiness where it is. And you stop looking for it where it isn't. 
There is no happiness in people or things. Happiness is our basic nature. Happiness is our very beingness. And when we are only being, we are infinitely happy. When we are only being and nothing else, we are infinitely happy. The greater the attachment, the greater the unhappiness. The greater the aversion, the greater the unhappiness. So it's a limitation to be attached to, to anything. You can have things and not be attached to them and you'll be happy. Be attached to them and you are necessarily putting yourself through misery. It's knowing your infinite beingness that is eternal, it never changes and that this whole world cannot touch you. It's just a fiction, a dream and you move through life (coughs) with no attachments and no aversions. Then no one and no thing can disturb you. And you have this infinite peace and joy that's constant. Now the only difference between a fully realized individual living in the world and one who is not is their attitude toward everything. An unrealized person identifies with a single limited body-mind. A realized person identifies with everything, every being, every atom. Your very nature is joy. You don't get it out of everything that happens. Your basic nature is unlimited joy. This is your natural state. As long as you don't uh, hinge it onto a person or a thing, it's there all the time. But if you say you can't have joy unless I do something, you limit your joy. The natural state is unlimited joy. This is the real natural state. The natural state is being infinite. And we superimpose over that thing all these ideas of limitation, of needs, attachments, aversions, which block out this infinite joy that is natural. If a human being would do absolutely nothing, he would be this infinite being. But he gets active and he does things. The more he does, the more miserable he becomes. Unless you know what you are. You go through life like everyone else. All right, you see things differently. It's eerie because you're not used to it. When you get used to it, it's deary rather than eerie. Uh, uh. You're basically loving your own ego. You did it. You created that. You did that tremendous thing. 
And you want that to be a good example of you. Now, if we love our children, we free them. We allow them to grow, to bloom like a flower does, to come out. We don't try to uh, fence them in. We free them and guide them and love them. Unattached to them. And knowing that they are infinite beings, they are just as much God as I am, is the way you should feel. Also, being God beings, they're going to go through life just the way they have set it out anyway. But you should strive to free them, feel non-attached. Now, this is a higher love than a love with attachment. Loving, be loving them. Never mind loving the spiritual. The more you love them, the more you will free them. So you, so you think they're like a piece of meat. They're flesh, like a piece of meat. Is that the way you see them? Well, I see the physical of them, but I also know that that is only um, illusion. That there is a spiritual side to these children. It's much more than meat there, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So it isn't the flesh that <laughs> mm -hmm. you like. It is the spiritual. Man. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Grant them their beingness. And they'll ask you for the guidance if you just free them. Mm -hmm. But they resent being pushed around the same way you do. The same way you did when you were a child. They don't like to be ordered around. But they want to learn. They have a natural curiosity. They'll ask you. And if you can start from the beginning by freeing them from the first day, it's the easiest thing to bring up a child. They'll follow you almost completely. But when you start telling them from the first day what to do and what not to do, they behave like an adult does when he's told what to do and what not to do. He resents it. He opposes it. Then oppositional patterns are set up. And by the time they're able to walk around, they've got this oppositional pattern well developed. That's what makes bringing up children so difficult sometimes. Are children oppositional parents? Because, because of all our attachment, we were trying to steer them. And they push back. See, we were trained that way, and we train our children that way, so that they will train their children that way, and it goes on and on. See, the same thing could be accomplished without all that opposition if it starts right. And you let them make the decision. See, then they're working with you from the beginning. They don't uh, develop this oppositional habit. Sometimes in poor families you can see uh, in a family of 10 or 12 that there's no opposition because this poor mother that's all she had was love, real love 
and the children all work together and each one takes care of the other and the family gets along very easily in spite of the large number.